A seventeen. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> Buster. Maddening. Maddening. She's, She's done, done me in. in. She's done She's me done in. in. <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we make the tastiest pizza pie with the flick of a wrist in Top This. Second, will our 3D structures lead us to the laws in Zendo. And lastly, we try not to pull our hair out as somebody slams a cue in our 22 in Fluster. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein. 99% of people play games and 1% lie about not playing games. Hi, I'm Ed Povolaitis. And shall we play a game? Hi, I'm Joe Unfried. I like logic games, and I love word games. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and even my meat is a little gamey. Our first game up this week is Top This, designed by Eve Torney, published by Uniforge Games in 2014. Number of players, 2 to 5, ages 6 and up, runtime 30 to 45 minutes. So, when we unearthed this game, what were your first thoughts? Ed? Hey, let's flick some toppings. And did we order that pizza already? I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Evan? Think food fight meets curling. Joe? Every member of our panel takes on the role of a dough-flipping, cheese-sprinkling, sauce-spreading, hot-shot pizza chef. We put the movie trailer of Cocktail to shame. Mike? This is going to require several dexterity checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you better have the dominoes number handy when you play this game because it's going to make you hungry. But before we decide on mushroom or meat lovers, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Top This, players take turns flicking wooden topping pieces onto a pizza-like game board. Their goal is to position toppings so as to precisely fulfill orders. Players can earn tips by yelling Top This before flicking a single topping or by fulfilling two orders in one turn. The game ends when either the last order is filled or the last tip is taken, and the person with the most money wins. Nothing sweeter than pizza tip money. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so in this one, you yell top this if you want to make that sweet, sweet tip money. So, Mike, why don't you tell us how to say top this for real? Well, you should say it with a lot of feeling, you know, from from your belly. (laughs) Top this. All right, mushroom time. Are you going to top this? Top this! (laughs) Swing! (laughs) I get nothing! The rules tell you you have to exclaim it in an excited sort of way. And how'd that work out for you, Mike? Did you get that tip money? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, so at first I did a test flick across the board, and it looked like, oh, yeah, these pieces float right across this nice shiny board really easily. So when I got my actual turn started and I declared, top this, I tried to flick the piece, and it went maybe a quarter of an inch, barely even made it out. <laughs> what was the piece you were flicking? Was it pepperoni, mushroom? Uh, I was, I think I was trying to get an onion onto that pizza to fulfill <laughs> that first order and get an extra bonus tip for saying top this. Yeah. Well, the other way to get tipped is to get more than one order done in a turn. Yeah, if you say top this, you only get one shot. And then if if you don't make it, you don't get any points, even if you knock pieces into another slice. Right, even if you actually fulfill orders, you don't get it unless you made the one that you said you were going to get. Yeah, you have to specifically call what slice you're getting and which card you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. So top this is a seriously increased risk. 
Yeah, it seems to me it's almost always better to uh, just try to go for two orders, and this way you'll get two two orders and a tip on top of it. I mean, strategically, I think you're right, Ed, but I did win the game by saying top this on almost every single turn. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. You're a flicker. You must have played a lot of Queen Uncle. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a popular game where you flick discs off of pegs on the board. Yeah, but it doesn't have a cool pizza board, right? No, it doesn't have a cool piece of board. It's totally abstract. This board was really cool. When you open up the big square board, it's a nice, smooth pizza pie. Although Mikey was disappointed there was no cheese on it. I know. It was so sad. I think I know why. It's because you're supposed to place your piece before you flick it onto the crust area. And you needed something of a distinguishing color to show you where the game board actually started. And that's the red tomato sauce area. You have to get it into the red tomato sauce area. So if you had cheese and crust, the two colors would look too too similar, I think. You know, I'm kind of with you. I'm torn now, Evan. I'm genuinely torn <laughs> because I definitely hear you. Like you don't want stuff on there that's going to confuse the board because I do hate that. I do hate a board that has unnecessary confusion on it. Right. But how do you have a pizza with no cheese? I know. What kind of sad pizza is that? I like, I, look, I got peppers and onions and no cheese that I would not eat that slice. Although Joe totally you would. You put cause... the cheese on after you put the toppings on. That's what? madness. What kind of <laughs> madman? Oh, my God. God. You revealed your true self here today on the show. Check out our mystery topics. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have one mystery slice, please. Yeah. (laughs) That would not go over well. Actually, if I can take take a moment to ask the game designers on the panel, I'd like your opinion how difficult an endeavor it is to actually make a game board with just the amount, right amount of friction on it between the board and the pieces to actually have it work as well as this game did. It would be very tough because you'd have to keep sending it back and forth to the manufacturer with samples and, you know, getting just the, uh, just the right friction, especially considering that you have to put the stickers on the little discs yourself. Uh, I, they did a pretty good job though. And the other thing too, is that the board didn't have any like noticeable seams on it, even though it was a quad fold board and there was a cut and then two folds when you unfolded it, it actually was pretty good. Like, yeah. great for a dexterity game. Surprised. They give you enough sticker to sticker it two ways. One for meat lovers and one for veggie only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. With a different deck of cards for each setup. Each topping sticker definitely looked like the thing it was representing. Unlike in Oh My Goods, where wool looked like yogurt to me, each one of these (laughs) toppings looked like what it was supposed to be. A pepper looked like a pepper. A pepperoni looked like pepperoni. And I I really appreciated that. Well, I guess it helped the icon about 10 times larger, but yeah. However, it did make me hungry. Not an excuse, Ed. Not an excuse. (laughs) And in this game, the art simplicity was uh, very helpful because, you know, who cares how realistic the onions are? I mean, you know they're onions. If they got it close, I thought that was good. I thought it was pretty cool that a lot of the pieces had two different things on, like, one on either side. Like, one would have uh, pepperoni on one side and onion on the other, and then some would be a pepper and a pepper or an olive and an olive. Yeah, because one of the tactics was you could flip pieces over on the board, but you didn't always know what you were going to get on the other side. Mm-hmm, exactly. You'd have to flip all of one kind. So that you couldn't predict what you were going to get. That's right. If I wanted to flip green peppers, I took all the green peppers on the board and flipped them over to come mm-hmm. up with different ingredients. But that takes up one of my two turns. Yep. Yeah. But sometimes you can get points that way, or sometimes you can mess somebody else's turn up that way, too. So that's one way to mix things up. 
the, the way I liked mixing things up was I just slammed my pieces into other pieces, you know, a la curling, a la <laughs> Let shuffleboard. Let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, sometimes in pool and other games like that, you have to do that. You just got to you just gotta mix things up. I guess when you're not a great pool player, yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but somebody who's good at pool would actually be really good at this game, I think, after a couple plays because they know how the angles work to carry the pieces into the right spot. Yep, there is some geometry involved. Yeah, it does. <laughs> did remind me of pool. Yeah, it had a kind of a way more strategy than I expected in a game about throwing toppings on top of a pizza. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I like that there were victory points on each card. Weren't they all worth two? Yeah, they were all worth two. That was unfortunate, I thought. You know, if you went to the trouble of putting points on cards, I felt some of them should have been worth different amounts. That would have helped with the variety and it would have provided for more choices uh, or, or a little bit more decision making in when it came to deciding which piece you were going to try to build. I totally agree. So I was checking out the Uniforge site. I don't think it's around anymore, but uh, I did love the PR pictures they had for this game of what I assume are the designers dressed up like pizza men making, <laughs> doing all these poses, right? They've got like a, one of, one of them's got a rolling pin. One of them's got a picture of him kissing a pepper. They're, they're great. You can see them on Board Game Geek on the Uniforge page. I also like the the nice cloth bag they included to have all the toppings in it. Yeah, because pulling toppings out randomly is part of the game when you want to fill your hand back up. It's always fun pulling components out of a bag. Mike, were all the tip cards $1 and $2? Yeah, they went from 1 to 4 I think. So it was worth getting it because of the mystery, but it does stink to spend part of your turn instead of getting the two-point thing that's already showing on the board to get a mystery tip and only getting one and skipping the rest of your turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's a risk, but I love risks like that in a game. They also provide another way of playing in a game where there are, everybody gets dealt a hand of five cards and the object gets to be the first to get rid of your five cards. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, explorers, get your shovels out. It's time to dig up or bury top this. Joe? At first, I was skeptical. This ain't exactly a game you can play anywhere, but that's about the only criticism I have, and it's got some replay value. Digging it up. Evan? This is one pizza that didn't quite deliver for me, so I'm going (laughs) to save the calories and bury it. Ed? I think it's an easy game to learn. It can play well with just about any crowd. Young, old, kids, doesn't matter. But don't expect it to be too deep. I'll dig it up for some light, casual gaming. Mike, how about you? I was surprised how much this game topped my expectations. I thought it was worthy to serve up to a mixed crowd, so I'll dig it up. (laughs) Man, it is so hard for me to like a game that makes me hungry. (laughs) I am genuinely on the fence about this. You know, I really liked the layout of this game. It was a very nice, clever design that worked well. I am impressed with it for that reason. So I'm going to dig it up. Mike, where can you find it? Well, sadly, Top This is out of print, but you may be able to get this online on the geek market. It runs for about 40 bucks. Or do what we did and get one of those mystery boxes and hope for the best. <laughs> if you have thoughts about Top This, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Our next game up this week is Zendo, designed by Corey Heath and Andrew Looney, published by Looney Labs in 2001. We played the second edition, released in 2017. Number of players 2 to 6, ages 12 and up, runtime 15 to 60 minutes. So when we brush the sands away from this game, what were your first thoughts? Joe? What if humanity found an environment bereft of life, but with buildings still standing? Now what if we had to figure out who built them and why? Hmm, Evan? There are five colors. Three, sir. Three colors and five shapes. Three, sir. Three shapes. (laughs) (laughs) Mike? I was really worried that I would get distracted by the colorful blocks and forget there was a puzzle here to solve. (laughs) Ed? Ooh, shiny. Oh, and I can use as many of these as I want? Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I immediately seized the opportunity to play the moderator of this game because I could tell at first glance it was going to be a brain burner. But before we (laughs) fry, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Zendo is an inductive logic game in which players attempt to ascertain the secret rule. First, the moderator builds two structures out of colored pyramids, blocks, and wedges, one that follows the secret rule and one that doesn't, and marks them accordingly. Then each player takes a turn building a structure, after which they have two options. Option one, tell, where the moderator marks the structure with a black or white token to indicate whether or not it follows the secret rule. Or option two, quiz, where all players can earn a guess token for correctly guessing whether the new structure follows the secret rule. If the player has a guess token, they may spend one of those tokens for a chance to guess the secret rule and win the game. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty simple on uh, in premise. <laughs> so those secret rules come on cards, right? And you pick the moderator picks a card, and on that card is a set of secret rules. For example, the one that we played was your structure must have at least one vertical pyramid. Now there's a bunch of shapes, right? Rectangle, pyramid, wedge, that kind of stuff. And I had to build a structure that did follow the rule of at least one vertical pyramid and didn't. And uh, I tried to mislead the players by putting in other things that could be rules as well. You know, like making things symmetrical and two colors and a lot of other things that were that looked specific. Yeah, you excluded blue from one of them and not the other one. So I thought maybe no blue was part of the rules. That was one of the first rules I tested. I think that's one of the handy things for a moderator to keep in mind. You know, you want it to look like as many rules as possible. And Taking a look through the cards at the beginning, if you're the moderator, is handy just to sort of get an idea as to what kind of rules you see. One of my very favorite things about this game is probably what Ed loves about it, too, is the clarity of the rules, the clarity of the definitions of each word. Vertical has a very specific definition, and it's different from the definition of upright. Yes, those are two different rules in this game. Yeah, that that definitely Mm. confused me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't if you read the rules. They were very clear on the difference between each word. Oh, yes. They were very... Very clear. I would not. Yeah, and you, you, you have to use those definitions. I mean, you can't yes. you can't play the game without it. You have to yeah. use the definitions. Right. I really appreciated all the options. You know, there were plenty of rules to choose from. So it allows you to have lots and lots of games. You know what I mean? It, it increases the longevity of the game. 
Yeah, we played in an easier mode too, so there's only a couple rules. You can have it with multiple rules. Although, in my head, I think having too many rules might actually start to make it easier to figure out what they are. Right, because you kind of have to build a structure with so many rules that there's little room for other things. That's what I would imagine, but I haven't played that level yet. Not the best game to play when you're tired. Or drunk. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> or drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this game was a brain burner, wasn't it, guys? Oh, yeah, I love that about it. On the Board Game Geek forums, I came across a gentleman named Daniel Kearns. He studies genetic components of behavioral patterns at the multicellular level. And uh, he got two fellowships just last year in 2018, and he's been using Zendo as a teaching tool as far back as 2007. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because Ed was mentioning when we were playing that it kind of teaches people the scientific method. It does, yeah. It fires mm-hmm. those parts of your brain. Yeah. It almost seemed too simple at first glance, but with three shapes, three colors, several orientations and interactions to pick from, there's a surprisingly deep number of possibilities. Yeah, this is a pro- problem-solving game. It's uh, putting your problem-solving skills to the test. Well, yeah, you're trying to, as you'll notice, you're trying to make new tests to figure out and eliminate certain possibilities. Yeah, and knowing the parameters of what rules are possible is really essential to this game. And they give you, like, on the back of the two different books it comes with, it has a little chart of what possible rules there are. And you got to keep them handy because you can always come up with other potential rules that aren't listed in the book. And the convention where the moderator marks things uh, yes and no with the white and black discs is, is very, very good. It's very clever. Um, And it reminds me of some other games uh, in which there's a similar mechanic, sort of like Mastermind, if you remember that game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll guess. What is the rule? The rule is at least one red pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. That is at least one red pyramid. Oh, gosh. All right, Evan. That's going to be a no. No, and that one meets your criteria, but does not meet mine. Gone. Well, I'll tell you, as the moderator, it was fascinating watching you guys. I thought it was going to be so, so simple. Knowing the answer, I thought, oh, well, these guys are going to get it like one, two, three. But watching you struggle with coming up with a simple premise to come up with that very simple rule of a vertical pyramid was a revelation to me. I'm like, wow, you have to eliminate a lot of stuff to get to this vertical pyramid. And that's the part I think is really cool about the game. I think we whittled it down pretty quick, but there was a couple of missteps there. I was deliberately trying to set it up to have a lot of misleading pieces. It's kind of nice that they give the moderator a chance to have fun with the game, too, instead of just kind of like overseeing it. You get to have a little fun tricking us in the beginning of the game. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a ton of fun. It, It was not just for the beginning, which is fun. It's fun building the structure as the moderator. Just watching you guys go through the process, basically proctoring each turn, right? So I'm... I'm deciding, I mean, I'm letting you know whether you're right or wrong all the time. If anybody guesses incorrectly, the moderator gets to make a new structure to help them by giving them clues. It was really hard to focus, though, because of how cool the pieces looked. (laughs) (laughs) They were were translucent, and I wanted to play on a light box to make the whole thing like glow (laughs) like some ancient alien ruins or something. Yeah, they chose the three primary colors, which definitely draws you in. Oh, yeah. I think the components look very nice. The shapes were in clear plastic and the three primary colors, the the guessing tokens are black and white. Everything's stark and looked really clean. Quiz. Quiz. Okay, guys. Line it up. Interesting. Does Evan's structure meet my rule? Let's see here. 
Everybody ready? Yeah. Indeed it does. <laughs> it does. Now I have the green tic-tac life. <laughs> <laughs> now this is Looney Labs, right? We played something else by Looney Labs, right? Yes, we did. Now the hit game Flux. Flux. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> One of our favorites, right? <laughs> wow, this is so much better than Flux. <laughs> <laughs> this game had a great tactile experience. I loved feeling the pieces. Everything felt smooth and sleek. And uh, the shapes were great. I really enjoyed working with them. They were a lot of fun to build with. Well, actually, originally the game was designed in 2001. It had a Buddhist Zen uh, theme to it. To it, and now it, they redesigned the game in 2017, oh. and it has a new, cleaner presentation that's more abstract. Huh? They still kept the name, though. Yeah, the name's great. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Zendo. Joe, how about you? Uh, I'm I would dig this up. It's good training in inductive reasoning, uh, as said by you no know, Dr. Kearns and many others, and as said by me just now, it can also be a lot of fun. Evan, how about you? Logic puzzle games are usually stimulating, and this one's no different, so dig it up. Mike? The smoke is still coming out of my ears, and I think I had a weird dream about fallen ancient alien empires, so dig this up. <laughs> Ed? It's not only a fun logic game, it's also a great way to learn about the scientific method, so dig this game way up. This game screams longevity. After playing just once, the desire to play 10 more times in a row was strong. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? Zendo can be found online, and you may find it at your local game or bookstore. Retail price, about 40 bucks. If you have thoughts about Zendo, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Fluster. No designer credits produced by Parker Brothers in 1973. Thank yeah. you, Evan. <laughs> Number of players, two to four, ages eight and up. Runtime, 20 minutes. Okay. Whew, when we dug deep for this one and put it under the magnifying glass, what were our first thoughts? Evan, how about you? A do-it-yourself crossword puzzle. Neat idea. Mike? I think the former owner of this game might have been a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, how about you? My first thoughts were that a game using words with a maximum of five letters uh, would be too easy and simplistic, and I was mistaken. <laughs> and Ed, how about you? A word game, but you only get to pick a fraction of the letters? Eh, sounds like letter salad. Yeah, a word game where another player can inadvertently and unknowingly help you win. <sighs> Sounds suspenseful. But before we buy the film rights for Liam Neeson, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Each player is given a pad of game sheets, and each sheet consists of two 5x5 five five grids. Each square of each of the grids contains a number from 1 to 25 randomly distributed. Each player, in turn, calls out a letter and a number. All of the players then write that letter in a square with the given number in either the left or right grid, attempting to create words in the grid. After the grids have been filled, the scores are tallied, with each valid word being worth one point per letter. Bonus points are also available for vertical and horizontal point subtotals. And of course, and of course, the person with the most total points at the end of the game is the least flustered person at the table, yep. and therefore the winner. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, this game was amazingly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It was exciting that everybody got to play every turn, but every single turn was agony as you just watched the boxes in your grid disappear into a void of useless letters. You're begging, you're beg, you're saying in your head, please don't choose number 14, please don't choose number 14, and then someone says, 14! And once they choose your number and then create drama by not saying the letter for a second, they say 14, and then you're like, please be an A, please be an A. <laughs> X! Like, no! no. <laughs> I reversed it. I gave you the letter first, and the suspenseful part is obviously the number, because you only have two opportunities, maybe one, to place that letter. So I would say the number last, because that would add to the maximum suspense. So Evan would say like the letter S and then you'd immediately look at your grid and be like, okay, S could work in 22. I can make it work in 10. It could work in 12. So you get yep. all this excitement build up. And then he says, you know, 25. <laughs> all right. A3. Oh, that is so satisfying, Mike. <laughs> Thank you for that. That is so satisfying to share the agony of Joe's A17. That cost me five points. <laughs> oh, that's rude. A17, man. I had a five-pointer, too. Uh, <laughs> I think strategically, if you're going to, if I was going to play this again anyway, I would be looking at one grid as my junk grid. Yeah. To just toss all the letters everybody else says. And then one good grid. Seriously. Was there anybody here who didn't use one of the grids as a dump grid? I didn't. I actually got words on both. But. I didn't. Well, I got, I got words on both, but I had one primary grid. Definitely. You have to. You have to use one as your primary. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you don't try and make some words in your dump grid if you can, <laughs> but yeah. you know. It was just there to get rid of letters you didn't want. <laughs> Eventually, it all turned into that, yeah. Did any of you guys use a letter that didn't uh, complete one of your words? Like, did you throw in a letter just to screw everybody else up? Oh, yeah. I did. Oh, I yeah. put a K out there real early. Oh, yeah. Out of spite? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and I almost I almost got points on that because there was a D on one side of it and an A on the other one. And then I stuck a V on top. And I was one away from vodka going down that column. And then, of course, I think, it, you know, a J came up or something. Yeah. <laughs> totally well, late reason. in the game, it's really hard to make any words because you have four turns coming and there's not that many boxes left to fill. This is a four player game only, and it would be insane with any more than that. Oh, I definitely. think four is a great number to play with. It's the maximum level of frustration while still being coherent. <laughs> and let's not forget, I'm sorry I didn't say this initially in the rules, that you can also, instead of a letter, you can call for a blank. You can yes. blank out any of these spaces and, that you want. And a want. very important strategy it is, because otherwise the, you have to, without blanks, every single one of the words you make has to be five letters long. So throw that into the mix and things really get frustrating. Yes. I, mean, I mean, Celeste's yeah. initial comment was, was you know, right on the money, where another player can inadvertently and unknowingly help you win, you know, kind of like by accident. However, that that is, that I think that is a little outweighed by how often the other players actually deliberately sink oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I had a five-letter word going, and I was saving the last letter for later on in the game no, because Mike, nobody, don't do there that. was two of them no. open still. Mike. There were two tens open, <laughs> and all I and it was a vowel, and I was oh. like, I can save that for a turn. And then, of course, the next turn, I'm like, okay, now's the time to pull the trigger. Somebody threw like a Q in there or something. It was awful. Yeah. Probably you me. have to strike when <laughs> it the ruined iron it. is hot. Those are yeah. yeah you got to close those words when you can, as fast yeah, as you can. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In the early 
you know, the 60s and 70s were rife with word games. And yeah. I had forgotten how enjoyable and how various word games could be because they have fallen out of fashion lately with, you know, so many themed games and just so much variety out there now. And of course, the ability to produce all these fantastic components, you know, dealing with a sheet of paper and a pencil and a letter seems so antiquated. Part of the thing, too, that made people make games like this a lot is because it's, it has a low bar for entry because you already know the rules of the alphabet and how to form a word. So you're already halfway to learning how to play the game. And I really like the classic Parker Brothers look at a game. And the people on the box look straight out of the 70s. <laughs> the box cover is spectacular. <laughs> oh, my God. Spectacularly 1973, yes. <laughs> I encourage everybody to go to Board Game Geek and look up Fluster. It does fit perfectly in the in the time period. You know, I mean, released by Parker Brothers, what, 1973. I suspect its true designer was uh, Evil Knievel, because that was a very productive year for him. Uh, and he was also <laughs> somewhat famous as a creative speller. And, you know, I mean, he might have not wanted to, you know, to actually pollute his image as a uh, swashbuckling daredevil. Wow. Little known fake facts <laughs> hey. by Joe. <laughs> it all fits. All right. All right. All right. So the box cover of Fluster has these three people on it. They're straight out of the Partridge family. Come on. As was the want at the time was to have people on the cover who were having a good time with the game. So the three people have quotes next to their heads as if they're saying this while playing the game. The first is a kid who's got his hand on his chin and he's thinking and his quote is maddening. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Then there's a person in the back standing up, leaning slightly to the left going, she's done me in. And then somebody (laughs) Rubbing their hands together maniacally going, ha, a Z on 19. Gosh, it's corny. I mean, so corny. So corny in a good way, I think. And I strongly recommend you go and check out the pictures of Fluster on Board Game Geek because it turns out that Fluster was part of a triad of games that were being advertised in the exact same way. Three people on the cover with quotes and this, you know, 70s font at the top and having all three of them together in a picture, which they have on Board Game Geek under Fluster, is fantastic. Wait, those those were three different games, not the yes. same game with different names? Oh, no, they're different games. Three totally different games. Mike, yeah. one of them is Boggle. Oh, right. it's the legit Boggle? Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Boggle, the Parker Brothers hidden word game, Fluster, the Parker Brothers cross-up word game, and Grapple, the Parker Brothers scrambled word game. Wild. It's actually <laughs> very smart marketing on their part if it you think is. about it. Yeah, because if you liked one, you're much more likely to grab the next one if it looks and seems the same. So something I have to say, too, is that we got this game used. So it came with a little <laughs> bit of writing on some of the envelopes where the pads are kept. Yes. Yeah. And one of them had somebody writing a strategy out where they're going to do a word across and a word down. And they're just going to use those same letters. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Somebody had a strategy. And then somebody else's pad, the one I got, just said the words footloose and fancy free like a hundred times on there. Right. Like Jack Nicholson in The Shining wrote it or something. Yeah. It kind of creeped me out a little bit. I got to say. It was say. disturbing, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> Those weren't words you could fit into the blocks. It was just footloose and fancy free. Like they were footloose trying to not go crazy. Like this is some kind of Cthulhu <laughs> word game or something. <laughs> All work and no play. Hold it together, man. Footloose and fancy free. <laughs> now, about the runtime of the game. I mean, your plants will often be, you know, cruelly shredded by the blundering clumsiness of your opponents. But the playtime is so short. <laughs> yes. It's very easy to take another crack at dishing out the humiliation that you know they deserve. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see how Joe would say that since he usually crushes us in word games and this one destroys his best laid plans immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I was so focused on two columns, just two out of what, 10, which is not, by the way, not a strategy for winning. (laughs) Getting two words, not a strategy (laughs) for winning, but it took all my concentration just to get two words out of that block. So I, I got out there early with my QU combination. And I'm like, wow, when I say you, it's going to really mess some people up because nobody else is going to be <laughs> able to put it next, next to their Q. Next to me. And that's the thing. Each pad is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to, box 25 on Celeste's left grid is in a totally different place than box 25 on my left mm-hmm. grid. Yeah. Hence the agony. Yeah. There's no element of cooperation where you know, you're all going to look at your papers and have similar stuff. Oh, yeah. patterns go right out the window with this game. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it. Fluster is a great name for this game because it is, you know? Yeah. Cl- yes. Cluster would be the other one, you know? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and having a huge oh, vocabulary, man. I mean, doesn't help because, you know... <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, it helps a little, but not as much as you'd think. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness the letter A is a word for one point. That's all yeah. I have to Only say. if you put a blank after it. Only yeah, if you true. get that blank in there, which I could mm-hmm. not do. Uh, I kind of wanted to just start throwing a bunch of blanks out at the end of the game so that, uh, you know, people wouldn't be able to spell anything by accident. Right. I wonder right. if it's a strategy to just like throw out five blanks in a row. Just get good words for yourself <laughs> for a few turns and then just go blank, 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 blank for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I might try that next time. <laughs> the game's already infuriating enough <laughs> without that. <laughs> you get one point per letter. Yeah, one point per letter. doesn't matter how tough the letter is or how long the word is, which is super frustrating for me. <laughs> A Bago lover like me, you know, really believes that word length matters so that was really frustrating well it does matter you get five points for a five yeah but come on it was a five letter word i should get a bonus for that (laughs) that's where the bonus part comes in if you get enough words totaling enough points going in the same direction either horizontal or vertical you do earn bonus points all right explorers fire up the lanterns it's time to dig up or bury fluster ed how about you I only watched you guys play, so I'll hold my judgment for now. But it was entertaining just watching you guys. Joe, how about you? Uh, Again, this might not be the best game to show off uh, your knowledge of long words, but it's very suspenseful. Dig it up. Evan, how about you? How many word games are there where everyone plays at the same time and there's no shouting over each other in the process? There's only one, and it's this one. Dig it up. (laughs) Mike, how about you? If you don't really think of this as just a word game, it makes it a lot more fun. And for that reason, I have to say dig it up. Yeah, this game is a nonstop thrill ride of surprising agony and ecstasy (laughs) moments. As every turn could be your doom or your salvation. (laughs) Dig it up. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I had said that. (laughs) Evan, where can you find this game? Well, obviously, you have to find it used. So Etsy and eBay are great places for finding old used games of Fluster. Uh, they range 10 to 15 bucks. You'll be able to find it. 
If you have thoughts about Fluster, and I sure hope you do, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! She's done me in. Here's hoping you can top this. If only it could have jumped over that Z. As easy as evil can evil jumped over those 50 cars. <laughs>